everybody. Welcome back to the Phantom Power Artist Hour. It is Sunday. We're going to try to be putting these out every Sunday. Got a lot of great people lined up in the coming months. Uh, musicians that are dropping their music into the value for value world. Musicians who are getting paid in Bitcoin. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Very excited about it. Today we are joined by the drummer. We don't get enough drummers. The drummer for FM Rodeo, a great trio, post-punk rock band out of the Hill Country in Texas, Kerrville to be specific. Uh, great musicians from that area include Robert Earl Keen, uh, Lyle Lovett from down the street, but we'll get more into that. Thank you guys very much for joining us today. This is a really fun conversation where we talk about uh, the music in the area of the Hill Country there in Texas where the band is from. We talk a little bit about the band's background. We talk about their uh, foyer into uh, this whole Bitcoin world. We talk about bro country. We do we talk about bro country. We talk about trios. A lot of great stuff in this conversation. Really appreciate Johnny um, joining us. And uh, they've got a big gig coming up at the end of the week where they're going to be uh, debuting some new material. So stick around for the entire interview and catch that. But in the meantime, I will shut up and let us listen to Headache Song by FM Rodeo. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Somebody gave me this headache. The world's collapsing so unreal.
right, welcome back to the Phantom Power Artist Hour. I'm really excited uh, to get FM Rodeo out of the Hill Country in Texas on today's show. I, uh, for a lot of reasons, I, I, I dig their music. We'll dive into the music. We'll dive into the trio thing. But also because joining us today is the drummer. Howdy. Drummer. We, we, we got to give the drummer some love. You guys don't get enough love. What's up, Johnny? Howdy. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank, thank you. Thank for, you. Thank you for having us on or having me on. It is such an honor. Uh, yeah. I, do, I do love the show. Cool. And um, yeah, no, uh, we were talking about drummers. I mean, uh, sometimes we just got to double down on duties to, to get this machine oiled up and going. And um, it's uh, it's worked out for us because, you know, usually an inch band, you usually have one member that kind of really, really pushes things, reaches out and. Uh, networks and so um so to speak and gets uh quite a bit of uh, uh of that management work done because i've been told over and over again nobody's going to do it as good as you are because nobody's going to care as much as you do about your brand and your craft so you know it kind of just leaves it up to us because if we pay somebody and they do a subpar job then we're just really spinning the wheels at that point yeah well, and you got to be, you know, if if you're an independent musician in today's world, you got to take on as much as you possibly can. Your, you know, your your financial sovereignty, your marketing sovereignty, all the songwriting, all that, all that shit. So we'll we'll dive into that. So you are coming to us from the the hill country. You guys are like in uh, Kerrville, right? We are. We're based. Well, we uh, me. It's three people. Uh, my name's Johnny. The uh, front man. His name's Troy. And we went to high school together in Kerrville uh, several decades ago, believe it or not. And <laughs> yeah, he taught me my first instrument. Uh, we were both new to Kerrville from different parts of Texas. And whenever we met uh, in theater class, uh, we we're paired up to do a questionnaire. And one of the questions was, uh, you know, what's your favorite m music? And he wrote Nirvana. And I wrote Nirvana also. I was like, oh, man, that's cool. And it said your hobbies. And his hobby was playing guitar i was like oh that's really cool uh i have a bass guitar i traded a playstation one for it but i don't know how to play i was strumming on it and you know making real ugly noises but uh he we made friends he taught me how to play said bass guitar guess what my first song was uh it's got to be in their bond like what it smells like teen spirit what it was it was teen spirit absolutely there and you it, go and then we learned some Blink-182 and just all things 90s because it was only year 2000. And so this is the kind of stuff that we grew up on. But, you know, just all this stuff that's also kind of like making a comeback now. You know how they say everything uh, rotates or recycles back. Everything uh, old is new again. Absolutely. This next generation, um, I'm glad to see a lot of these kids are starting to embrace that instead of, I don't know, nothing against mumble rap or anything, but... Uh, you know, I just, I like the little, the traditional classic rock formula a little bit better to me. It just showcases, uh, talent a little bit more in my opinion. Yeah. Well, tell me, like, I love trios, right? Like, um, I, um, my favorite, uh, it's, it, it's my favorite format to play in, be it jazz when I'm playing piano, uh, rock band when I'm playing, uh, guitar or bass, right? Um, and, mm -hmm. and I and I have my own reasons for playing in a trio. What do you 
why do you guys like the trio format? Like what's in it for you? Well, there's a, there's several, uh, there's several moving parts to what we're doing here. And, uh, just kind of round at the last bit. We're from Kerrville. Troy lives in Fredericksburg. That's where Adam Curry lives. And, uh, we got lots of friends over there. I live in a place called Blanco, Texas, which is just a little bit further towards San Antonio. And our bass player lives in Austin. Now, with that said, me and Troy have been pushing the band, but, you know, basically the backbone of the band for uh, quite a while. We started using the moniker FM Rodeo back in 2015. And... Okay. We started that. We had a friend named Ben playing bass with us, and then he moved to Ecuador or something. So, uh, needless to say, he wasn't able to come to rehearsals or play shows anymore. And uh, we kind of went through a couple of different bass players, uh, fill-in guys, and now we're using Marshall. And so, part of the trio is it's hard to find musicians because we're spread out. We're we kind of live in some small towns, and we have to travel to to make a lot of this stuff work. And then the other part of it is, um, uh, how should I say this? With no disrespect for any musicians, but the crew is a, what we call a skeleton crew. It's less egos to deal with. So, and also yeah. skills. So it's not necessarily just egos, which can be a thing, especially with uh, lead guitar players. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, or lead singers. Or lead singers. Or lead right. singers. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, also, you know, it's like we, we uh, write specific parts if we needed a uh, if we utilize the lead guitar player and that guitar player. Uh, oh, man, I have to go work on Tuesday nights or whatever it is. It's more schedules to, to to base things around and it makes it difficult. So it's stripped down and it's more simple for just uh, logistics, so to speak, yeah. for being a trio. But also, man, it just works. Uh, Troy writes a really good alternative rock song. <laughs> And he's a really good, impressive guitar player. So yeah, uh, he he fills it in with leads and everything. And of course, when we record, we'll we'll do a little bit of layering. We don't go crazy like Billy Corgan or anybody like that. But um, you know, we layer it up a little bit to make the production nice and thick, make it super listenable. But our live shows are great because a couple of reasons. All three of us are very. We've been told by a lot of people we're very energetic on stage. Our music is very lively, and of course, we crank the uh, amps up to 11, and so we just have this really good full sound. Of course, we have to be real tight as a three-piece, of course, to make that work, uh, but it, it does work out, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of small stages we find ourselves on, and as a three-piece, it's a lot better than having, you know, four or five-piece yeah. band, and so there's there's many, many reasons why a three-piece is better. Um, and then of course, you know, it just makes you accountable for knowing your parts because when yeah, one man. person screws up, it's like a three, it's like a, a, tri a tripod, you know, the whole thing falls apart. The whole thing falls apart. That is my, that is my big reason why I love a trio. Like it, it will, it forces you to be the best musician that Absolutely. you can be. Like you got to be smart about every part, every note that you play. I don't care if it's the police rush. The Oscar Patterson trio, like everything has just got to be dead nuts perfect. And it's, it really forces you as a, as a musician to play at the best level you can. You know, there's something to be said about being a tight band. And, you know, it is rehearsal, relentless rehearsing is, you know, you kind of get burnt out and everything. But 
you could always tell a band whenever you're playing a show with them or watching them play. You can tell when they're very well rehearsed because the tightness is just, yeah, a lot of people don't even know what that is, uh, yeah. but whenever it grooves uh, seamlessly, it means that the band has got it down really good and tight. And usually it takes a lot of rehearsals. Uh, but again, just you know, going back to what you're saying uh, as a three piece, uh, you have to know your parts very well because uh, it shows if you don't. Yeah, I mean, I I, I play a lot of bass around town, um, and Nashville. I'm all yeah. What's that? Awesome in Nashville, right? Yeah, in Nashville, um, and it always amazes me um, how many bass players um, aren't paying attention to your right foot, like. I mean, I'm not worried about the notes per se, right? Like I am right. more worried. Like I, I will, I will intentionally po position myself when I'm on stage, uh, especially if it's a drummer I've never worked with before, where I, I'm not going to look that 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 guy or that gal in the eye. I am seriously going to be watching their right foot. Yeah, absolutely. Because you want to find that pulse, and if you have a visual as well as a, an audible. Um, then then you know utilize that uh what we do especially in nashville i mean and we, we play a lot in austin so there's, there's a lot of similarities in regards to there's a lot of people uh players you know any given night there's ton, tons and tons of clubs and venues uh, playing and so i hate to say it but you got a lot of competition and you want to be good and tight and you want the band to sound amazing so utilize anything and everything you can to 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 just be have the best most optimal performance and i can always appreciate a guitar player bass players kind of leaning in and we kind of you know sync up whether it's uh they're checking out the bait the kick pedal uh going yeah. at it or we're, we're head banging together or whatever um but you know and, that, and that's the thing you find that groove and you lock it in as a rhythm section especially and and, and i guess kind of run uh, going back to the three piece the rhythm section is just two pieces and then you know you got the independent guy typically and you got to have a really good tight rhythm section all those bands you mentioned uh cream rush oh uh, yeah you know the rhythm sections are just brutal you know they're amazing oh, yeah. uh same with uh green day and nirvana yeah, yeah. Triumph. triumph triumph is a great trio out of canada that i mean you know if you're my age and you got a head full of gray hair you, you've heard about them right but oh, yeah. a lot of the you know a, a lot of the younger kids haven't heard about them but it's it's a it is it is quite amazing because so you know you kind of talked about uh, uh hopping on some gigs spilling in on Na in nashville i've done plenty as a drummer it's a, yeah. you know super marketable uh i've done that too and i've got to join a lot of classic rock bands so, uh, so several with some older cats and i am blessed and honored to discover a lot of obscure music that was real big in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s uh, that i've never heard before and it and, it, and those are uh bangers man you know like wow i never heard of uh you know georgia satellites outside <laughs> their, their one big major song and then um you know bus stop by um ah, I, I can't remember the the band name right now, but the Hollies. Oh yeah, uh, you yeah. know, it's like wow, this song is quite amazing. They have, you know, their bigger hits, but you know, the deeper cuts is what I guess. Even though they were hit songs, you're able to to figure out a lot of that kind of stuff. And I see a lot of kids. I also teach drums in a local school oh, cool. here. 
And uh, I see a lot of these kids bringing this up to me. One of my students who just, uh, their band performed with uh, FM Rodeo uh, on Friday uh, nice. over in Dripping Springs. And they played all classic rock and they slipped in a Nirvana cover. But my student, he's a drummer. The drummer's my student. Uh, when we achieved a simple beat, uh, I said, okay, Jake, what kind of song do you want to learn? Do you want to learn a song to, you know, maybe showcase? He's like, yeah, sure. I want to learn Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. And I was like, what? Whoa. <laughs> I was like, first all of right. all, first of all, I'm going to have to learn that. And second of all, I am super impressed. Uh, your dad must be really cool because, um, you know, he's a, he was uh, 10 years old whenever he, you know, he brought it to the table. And, uh, you know, we have a recital this afternoon. He's going to play a, a Weezer song. Nice. Uh, last time he played a Nirvana song and a time before that is a different Weezer song. So these are all the bands I grew up, with, uh, grew up with and loved, but I didn't coerce him. I didn't have to. He's just, uh, this stuff kind of stuff's making a little bit of a comeback as well as, you know, uh, this new generation, a lot of, um, uh, Gen Xers and older millennials are having kids and this is the kind of stuff that they liked. Yeah. Well, you know, one band that you guys, uh, r remind me of um is um <clears throat> a great trio out of LA that I saw um open up for Sting on the 10 Summoners Tales tour which was 1993 um but the name of the band is Dada D A D A um and you should check them out like they they've got a song um uh Disneyland that I think uh it kind of like uh, goes hand in hand with with what you guys have done with like self-titled national anthem and things like that but they're a trio killer rhythm section great hooks great riffs um I, unfortunately i think they only did like one record and then they broke up but i mean that they must have been doing something right to open up for sting on that 10 summer's tales tool tour in 93 uh, but yeah, absolutely da, i'm da, da, check them out definitely checking them and if they were um they were a three-piece, and they opened up yeah. for the uh, the police. Um, for Sting, or, or this was Sting? That, okay. Yeah, so solo tour. Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, I mean, if they're impressive enough to uh, impress Sting of the police, then then they must have been really great. And it's an honor. I always appreciate those types of compliments, and of course, it gives me definitely something to look forward to in regards to uh, checking out some new material, some you know new bands, and. Uh, I guess somewhat obscure material, but even then, if uh, if it's that great, you know that album's got to be a total banger. Oh. Too, you know? oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a great, yeah, it's a great record. It's a great record. Well, tell me, uh, so, so you guys are from? Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit about uh, Kerrville, which is where um, I think Robert Earl Keen is from. There, who's one of the <laughs> yeah. greatest. Americana and country writers, like you guys are really in a great mecca of, of, of independent artists going all the way back to, uh, you know, when, when Willie Nelson, you know, kind of gave Nashville the middle finger and said, you know, fuck you guys, I'm going to Austin and I'm going to do my own thing. Like there, there's a great culture down there. Outlaw country, uh, outlaw country. Yeah. I, I, and I can't remember exactly when that day's better. Obviously I was born in 85. So this is, uh, I think this kind of stuff took place in the, uh, early yeah, for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's a, a great club called world, uh, armadillo world headquarters in uh, Austin, uh, at, back in the sixties. And this is where the bikers would go. This is where, uh, you know, there's a lot of conservative, uh, um, folks in Texas and, uh, a lot of oil business, a lot of oil money. Of course, Austin's the capital of Texas, so 
you know, a small handful of politicians, probably uh, hopefully a little bit less corrupt back then than they were today. But uh, it was a, it was definitely a make and sort of, I guess you could say, a cultural um, melting pot. And Armadillo World Headquarters is where, uh, what's that uh, song? I, I want to say it's uh, David Allen Coates, where the uh, bikers uh, laugh at hippies who are praying they'll get out of here alive. Uh, it, it is yeah. great because, I mean, like, you know, politics aside, you get uh, all kinds of people going in there and they love music. They love live music. They love honky tonk music. They love yeah. dancing. They all love drinking beer, uh, you know, and they sort of just had this uh, uh, common denominator. And so it attracted Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson to come down here. And of course, and they, they sort of basically started this outlaw country movement. Uh, a lot of people followed suit. And of course, they are friends with Johnny Cash uh, you know, and sort of brought all these other people here. And in Texas, it's also really interesting because we had Roy Orbison and uh, Buddy Holly over in West mm-hmm. Texas sort of doing yeah. their thing. And so Elvis would frequently come and tour over to this direction. And uh, believe it or not, or it, just a small bit of trivia, Waylon Jennings was way, uh, Buddy Holly's bass player. Yeah. Uh, oh, which yeah. Is, I mean, should be well known. I mean, that's like the coolest information of ever. But yeah. anyway. And that so, comment he made to Buddy Holly on the night the plane crash, I know he always regretted it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spooky. It's absolutely yeah. just, just spooky because it could have been Waylon uh, yeah. on that plane too. And it's and just so, something funny you'd say to your best friend, you know, like, yeah, yeah whatever. I hope you're. Hope your plane crashes, right? Like, oh uh, man, he forgot yeah. to knock on wood on that one. Either way, it was just absolutely tragic. Uh, but yeah. again, you know, it's just just one of those things. I mean, at least Buddy did uh, uh, went out doing something that he loved and made a huge impact on. Oh yeah, on things. And so, um, another great thing about Texas is um, the where outlaw country kind of sort of simmered down and we had the 90s country going on and everything else there's this thing called red dirt country and there's a big you gotta we owe a lot to oklahoma uh cody canada and a lot of these texas country artists uh well texas country is sort of a label uh but then they change it to red dirt country because a lot of these folks were from oklahoma and they sort of made their own independent scene which was really cool because whenever I was, my friends got me into that Texas country or red dirt country. Um, you know, I was listening a lot more rock and I was like, ah, I don't know. Country is, you know, not my thing right now. And then I went to go see uh, cross Canadian ragweed and I went, it's Southern rock, man. It's Southern rock. And it yeah. was amazing. So I was like, yeah, this has got really good hooks. And of course the songwriting was incredible. Whereas, uh, you know, songwriting, people can appreciate it and it trends, but then pop takes over and it kind of, the pendulum swings back and forth uh, from, you know, my opinion, or I guess you could just kind of look at it in that direction uh, in that regard. But um, so we, we, in regards to that country music, we've had a lot of really cool stuff going on in terms of rock and roll. We had, uh, you know, Buddy Holly and Roy Orbison and, uh, a lot of blues musicians too, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimmy Vaughn, mm-hmm. um, they've made their mark. Uh, this guy, Mark Benno, has done a lot of work mm-hmm. out here. And Gary. so Gary Clark Jr. from Austin, Texas, he's, Hell yeah. you know, just uh, invincible, you know. Uh, so we've had we've had quite a bit of amazing things. And uh, Austin in itself, okay, let's, let's, let me back it up. There's 
four major cities now in Texas are Dallas, uh, which is great with a lot of rock. Uh, the Toadies came out of Dallas, uh, who's, you know, uh, sang Possum Kingdom, and they were a bit real big in the 90s. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, then you have uh, San Antonio, which is real big with Tejano and a lot of metal uh, music, actually, is real big. Hard rock, big in San Antonio. Then you got Houston. Yeah. Houston's really good with uh, hip-hop. Uh, but they also love their rock as well. And in Austin, it's growing ever so fast. And, you know, they consider uh, Austin the live music capital of the world. I'm not quite sure about that. I still think that L.A. and Nashville, you know, sort of um, are up there too. But uh, there's so much culture in Austin and just uh, all kinds of weird stuff. There's the film festivals, uh, Richard Linklater. Uh, done many great films and kind of uh, showed a little bit of uh, expressed about, uh, you know, the music culture, too, with uh, films such as School of Rock, uh, Dazed and Confused. Yeah. And, uh, all his independent films are just uh, just enamored with Austin culture. And, um, you know, he was able to showcase that a little bit. And let's see. Um, there's there's a couple of uh, other artists out of Austin that's that's really made their mark. And I can't remember to think of them all but we're truly blessed to have many places to play all around this area well that that leads me into one of the questions i have for you guys i mean you guys have been around now for um you know i i was looking up watching some of your videos on youtube last night and doing some research on you and you know the the tv show stuff and you guys do have a live great live show um thank you your bass player your bass player solid i know he's playing that uh, that five string ernie ball um, and your and your lead guitar player who was at work today, uh, Troy. I saw him switching back and forth between a Les Paul and a and a Fender. What, what looked like an old Mustang. Um, tell me about like just you know some good war stories of being in a band. Like, <clears throat> get, give me a story of your best gig so far and your worst gig so far. You don't have to <laughs> name any clubs, but come on, let's hear some funny horror stories. Best gig uh, and worst gig. Okay, that's that's uh, it's uh, totally subjective. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're all what's funny is because I spend a lot of time and I try not to be uh, anxious about uh, setting up a gig, especially like a let's say I'm hosting a gig. So I set up a showcase and I'm always worried. Is there going to be a good draw? Is there uh, other bands that I'm bringing on? Are they going to have a good performance? Are they going to pull out last minute or anything like that? I think um it, it usually even on a bad gig and I'm a little stressed out during the gig or before or a little bit after usually later on that night or the next day I'm like damn that was so much fun because this is what we love to do so on our worst gigs it's still better than uh, you know mowing the lawn or picking up trash or something you know just it's, we still have a lot of fun yeah. uh, my my grievances are Sometimes a lot of these clubs, because of whatever reason, budgets, whatever, the sound guy won't show up. And then it's like, well, you're on your own for running sound. And we have three bands. And a showcase is tricky because whereas if you have like a cover band or a band with four hours of material, once you set up, it's, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you were finally off to the races and we're good to entertain people for three hours, which is what uh, the agreement was. When you have a showcase where you have, you know, three bands, we've got to switch out drums and switch out amps and everything else. Um, that in itself is really kind of like just all of the work. Uh, performing is a fun part, but uh, getting a band off the stage and then on the stage before everybody gets bored and leaves, 
uh, that's tricky. And then if the sound guy doesn't show up and, you know, we don't have that, that, uh, help, then it gets really tricky. So, uh, one club, they had a, a house PA system, uh, and I guess this place was a uh, notorious for the sound guy not showing up and guess what? He didn't show up. <laughs> and so we had to fend for ourselves. So we were setting up and they had this tricky board where it's not instead of a solid state board or even just a mixing console, they had this damn uh, one of those radioactive boards that you have to use an iPad to, to get on there. And so I had to ask the uh, bartender who was a young girl, like, hey, where's your PA system at? She goes, ah, here's an iPad. And I'm looking at the iPad. I'm like, this is a joke, right? Uh, what's the password to get into the iPad? This. All right, what's the – she's like, you get to sign on the Wi-Fi. I was like, what's the Wi-Fi password? She's like, let me talk to my manager. <laughs> oh, yeah. The owner, the owner won't answer. We can't yeah. do anything. Finally get the Wi-Fi password. Go into this uh, program, Behringer something or another, and yep. we, can't, we can't do it. So we end up bringing a vocal straight into one speaker, and then everything else is just like this, you know, uh, tight. Yeah. Uh, uh, so any that that just provides so much extra stress. And then yeah. when you're trying to perform a high-energy rock and roll show and you're worried about blowing a speaker or, you know, just all this other stuff, it really takes away from the performance. And we want the performance to be the most memorable and optimal sort of – now, we're not spoiled in regards to high production and, you know, we've had some really, you know, big shows and stuff like that where they have a front-of-house sound guy and a back-of-house sound guy – and, and you know, and it's an, it's amazing, but we could do it. We're, we we have punk rock grassroots. We could make a thing work. Yeah. But if we blow your speaker, you know, that's on you. You didn't have the sound guy. You didn't answer your phone. You know, the arrangements weren't made on your end. And it's just so much extra stress because, you know, I don't want to have any bad juju with any club owners or, you know, sound crew or anything like that. So I would say to answer your question, that was sort of one of the worst gigs. And we had this uh, month-long curse last year where three gigs in a row, I had lined all this stuff out ahead of time. We got a sound guy. We have sound check. We have, we're going to cross off all the T's and all the I's. Three gigs in a row, for whatever reason, uh, magically, the guitar wouldn't come to the drum monitor. And I have a video, and I I'm, may pull, scrub that video and post it because it's kind of funny, but... We did sound check. Everything was fine. The main guy left, and the interns were there running the sound. First band went on; they were great. Then it was our turn, and there's no guitar in my monitor. And the stage was real big, and the guitar amp was way over here. And I was like, "Can I get some guitar in my monitor?" And then uh, just no. We played another song. Can I get some guitar in my monitor? I asked him like 12 times, and I was like, "This show is going to be dubbed. Can I get some guitar in my monitor?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, hey, why is the band, you know, and the crowd doesn't understand that because, like, it might be an off night for you guys, and it's not your fault because, <laughs> right, you know, you, you and the bass player might have been great, but the guitar player was pushing or rushing or, right, you know, or, you know well, and, and, and it, they don't know that it's because, you know, there was a bad mix on stage. Well, I must much, much prefer, uh, and I think the sound on the outside was fine, and we probably did okay. We probably grooved all right, but it was just more stressful for me. And instead of saying, can I get some like, guitar on my monitor? I'd much be, rather be like, hey, if you like what you hear, we have T-shirts over here. And hey, this is our new song. Hey, here's yeah. a story about you know the thing. 
But instead, I sound like a whiny little biah, you know, trying to get to the bottom <laughs> like this. And, 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 and that's what people perceive, too. You know, in yeah. show business, they don't know that, you know, that other people, you know, the, what the arrangements were or whatever. And so it's a little bit of embarrassment. Uh, it's slightly embarrassing. I uh, luckily I have a thick skin and I'm not really easily, uh, if I'm agitated, I don't show it. And, uh, you know, I just get along. And, and at the end of the day, we're just happy to uh to play and you know and in every gig you know i burn off so much energy and it kicks off all these endorphins and and everything yeah. else now uh for the best gigs uh it's a toss-up um i want to say one of my my personal favorite gigs was we were able to open up for the Flowbots in austin uh Flowbots had these a uh, couple of hit songs one of them was uh i can ride my bike with no handlebars and um oh yeah now, yeah they uh they were on tour uh it's two years ago in june and we got to play at a really nice club and i mean that thing went off without a hitch you know everybody crowded the stage everybody's into it now whenever i play i'll throw sticks i'll jump up i'll uh, hype the crowd up and you get this immediate response and it just felt so powerful and enduring because they these people came up to they rushed us after we got off and uh they we already added you on spotify and we uh followed you on youtube and you know just all this all this uh, all these praises and all the gigs that weren't so amazing you know we finally get a gig like that and it just it makes it all so much worth it and yeah. uh there's that one and then there's a series of gigs that we've had. We've made friends with this band called Soul Shifter out of Fort Worth, Texas. And check them out. They're really good. They're a bass player, drummer, and guitar player are the original members of the Toadies. And yeah, I was gonna say I've heard of Soul Shifter before. Yeah. So their their music is good. And Lisa Lisa Umbarger is the bass player's name, and Charles Mooney the third is the guitar player's name. He coined that sound, that that feedback in the monitor, uh, in the monitor or the guitar amps. Woo, 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 woo. Okay. So all of the Toadies' signature sound comes from Charles because he, you know, started the band and did that. Uh, unfortunately, right before Rubberneck dropped the big album, he had uh, he quit the band, uh, oh. pursue other things, and then that album dropped and. Possum Kingdom was a huge hit, and a mm -hmm. couple of, uh, other other tracks were real popular on that. But anyway, uh, Lisa and Charles have a podcast called Jackalope Tells, and I need to talk to them about uh, getting on, putting that onto um, uh, Wave Lake and yeah. value to value, because it is a really good podcast. I love it. Basically, Jackalope Tales is, um, uh, is it, it, all right, so there's all these myths around mysterious rock bands like with Jimmy Page into witchcraft and et cetera, et cetera. And like, is it yeah. true that a jackalope tail? And a jackalope, if you don't know, if you ever come down to Texas, we get big jackrabbits that have uh, antlers. And yeah. those are called jackalopes. And they're not real, by the way. <laughs> yes, they so, are. And so yeah. is the chupacabra. So is the chupacabra and Bigfoot. <laughs> Big, hey, I, know man, Big I, lived in I lived in Seattle for five years. I know the Bigfoot's real. Don't tell me that. Yeah, he plays bass. <laughs> so uh anyway they i didn't mean to uh, spend so much time plugging in their podcast or anything but they're great they're friends of okay. ours we we brought them down to san antonio and austin from fort worth and to me that's a big deal because uh hey this is the original toadies they came down to austin and like well we haven't played here since uh south by southwest in 1994 
I'm like, oh my God, so much has changed. It is not as cool as it used to be, but welcome. And we had so many great shows with them that it's just, I'm proud that they call us friends and um, just super, super stoked to, to be able to network with so many, so many great people. And so yeah. that's a long winded answer to your question. What's your best and worst gig? No, that's cool. And I, and I certainly don't mind the plug for other podcasts and other bands on there. I would tell them, um, you know, tell them to look up, uh, the, the apps that you can find on the podcasting index. Um, yeah. you know, cause the, those are the, those are the modern apps, the 2.0 apps where, you know, sats can get kicked back and forth between, you know, the, the listener and the host and whatnot. Um, and a great host, uh, for, uh, their podcast, um, you know, have them check out RSS blue. Um, the RSS blue is based out of London and the dude's name is uh, Dobby Doss. Um, and he's just, he's just fantastic. Um, but you mentioned Wave Lake and value for value. So let's get into that. Like, how did you guys find, um, Wave Lake? Like what is your quote unquote Bitcoin origin story? Okay, so this is a uh, uh, this is kind of a long story, but I love <laughs> I I love the story because it's it's, it's very interesting. So um, we're pushing off all these singles, right? We just dropped our twelfth single called Headache Song, um, and on on you know just two days ago. And so when we started dropping all these singles. Uh, we're independent DIY, so it's it's we're left to our own devices and our own networking, and so. We had mentioned earlier that we're from Kerrville, and there's a, an amazing radio station there called the Rev FM 94.3, The Rock of Texas. And I drove over there, and I took a couple of stickers and a couple of demos, and I went over there, and I met, uh, met with some of the guys over there, and I met the uh, music director or the marketing director, um, and, and then I'm, he introduced me to the morning show host, and the morning show host is named Cody Nichols. And I love the fact that you knocked on doors went w with your single in hand. That's old school, I, baby. I love it. Dude, I, <laughs> we still hang up flyers. We print up flyers and we hang them up on places. Like, guerrilla marketing is still a Good thing. for you. And, Hell yeah, man. Uh, like that, That's kind of like what Just Loud did. Keep going. Yeah. So, all right. So, we met Cody. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a nineties rock, uh, kind of guy. He loves, you know, all things rock and roll, uh, Pantera and just all, all sorts, all sorts. Anyway, uh, Cody, guy. Cody checked out her music and it turns out that he actually really liked it. And that's, you know, your merits will carry you very far if you put them in the right. And, and yeah, you have to go and put actively put it out. You can't just release it on Spotify. All right, cool. Uh, all the hard work's done. No, it's just begun, baby. It's just begun. Uh, you gotta, you definitely gotta get out there and, and put your music in front of people and show it to them. Yeah. And we got Amen. lucky. And Cody, Cody liked our music, and and so we frequent uh, his show. And he also started playing it on the radio. And we did interviews for every single. Uh, he's played six or seven of our songs, and he was telling us a story. Um, he was. Uh, is there is Darren COVID, and a buddy of his said, "Hey Cody, check this out. You got plugged in," and he had an excerpt from Adam Curry's show. Um, I can't remember exactly which one it was. Maybe um, it, it was uh, probably Boostergram Ball. 
Boostergram Ball? It, it might have been no agenda because Boostergram Ball really didn't officially start until this past summer. Okay, so it, it was, yes, it was, uh, it was the previous one. And I uh, said, uh, all right, so uh, basically uh, gave some love to uh, 94.3, The Rock of Texas. And Cody just, you know, and he's telling me the story. He's like, oh, my God, I just, you know, turned, turned pink. You know, I'm just, like, so flattered. So he, re he shared that excerpt on Twitter, and he, uh, uh, you know, tagged Adam. And then Adam, being the humble guy that he is, reshared it. They started talking. Said, uh, "Hey, man, uh, come to the sandbox. Let's uh, let's play in the sandbox." And so they they became friends. Adam lives in Fredericksburg, which is 20 minutes away from Kerrville. And Adam told him about the Value for Value podcast about Wave Lake. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you're on Phantom, uh, then you probably already know all about this. But tell your friends because this is such a great opportunity for independent musicians. This is a great uh, great network for everybody. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. We got 10,000 streams on Spotify for our last single, I must say, and it's flattering, but we haven't seen a penny. And, yeah, you know, uh, we've already got monetized on Value for Value with Wave Lake, and I'm not going to say how much, but it's been really good to us. And so, you know, the hands down, no doubt, this is a, an amazing platform. And it's also like stick it to the man because the music industry yep. has been – super mm, super insane and impossible for many many decades i'm talking about barry gordy and i'm talking about all that bs from back in back way when and of course napster came into and, and changed things but that just gave the uh the the big wigs an opportunity to um exploit it in a different way and in a, in a lot of ways they could exploit it easier like an armchair quarterback they don't have to lift as many fingers and uh, value for value podcasting and wave lake has just really really sh changed the game and uh it's the early stages of this i mean this is really growing uh more and more of my friends are starting to discover this and sing its praises so uh back to cody he uh he learned about it he was telling us about it and his sons are in a couple of bands and uh, he said that they've had a lot of success. Well, Cody since had started his own podcast. It's called Smash My Record Podcast. Yeah, I love that. Love that show. Yeah, it is great, and uh, and he's an amazing host, and uh, you know he's extremely supportive. And this is this is all genuine. This is all for the passion and the love for music, for independent artists, for the cause. Uh, this is not something that people do because. Uh, they want to monetize and, and basically steal your talents and, and, and steal your material and, and elevate themselves because uh, Satoshi's, you give them straight to us. Um, you know, they, they get a little bit of um, uh, monetization for their for their platform and everything, but, it, you know, they're not getting rich off of playing our music. In fact, probably not get, chances are they're probably not getting rich anyway. It's just a passion for what's happening and i can appreciate that because uh as it grows then we all get a little bit more uh love and monetization for for what we're doing and the time and the effort that you put in that cody puts in that adam's putting in you know you, you can't put a price tag on that so a, a little bit goes a long way and it's growing and it's it's great to see this come from a place of purity uh from a place of authenticity 
instead of just the big machine just you know swinging its uh throwing money around you know basically blocking the market in and so i can appreciate that and so we were featured on cody's first podcast uh, we're featured on many at Booster Grand Ball. We're featured on a couple of others, and they 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 kind of surface up. And it's so exciting to check my emails. So exciting to check my notifications. And I can't remember them all. I wish I had uh, wrote and so written some notes down. But there's one. This guy's playing the piano and he's picking out our parts. Self-titled national anthem was one of the songs that you had mentioned earlier. That was and, probably me on my review podcast. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, was so me. Yeah. What's your review podcast called again? The Phantom Power Music Review, where I take I take three songs, and I break them down and the theory and what I like about them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was I'm me. so I'm so sorry I didn't do my research, but that. Not <laughs> oh, you, I, asshole! This interview's <laughs> over. <laughs> that was uh, extremely. Uh, I got the excerpt of that and I posted it and. Um, it was extremely flattering and also just because you, you actively went out there, you picked the parts out. You're, you're very talented, by the way, to be able to, uh, you knew Thank that there's a half, you knew, you knew there's a half step flow. You use yeah. your ears and your insight to, to, to kind of pick it out. And, um, and it was, it was just uh, really amazing to, to see that. And again, it kind of comes back down to, you're not going to see this kind of shit on MTV or, you know, obviously, or, uh, anything on the on the major streaming platforms, but this is to me just I don't know. It's phenomenal that uh, this exists because again, yeah. it, it makes us feel great. It makes us feel appreciated, and of course, the Satoshi's are are pretty nice too. Yeah, you hit on all the on all the right spots, man. Like because you guys are you guys are a good band, you know. Now there's a. Um, and if people like what you are doing, they, you know, that th- you, you should, that th- th- there should be an avenue for those people who like what you're doing to send you money directly. And that is what value for value is. And that is what Bitcoin does, you know, and I, and yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about with respect to uh, streams on Spotify and not getting paid. You know, I mean, we, I, I talked to just loud a couple months ago. He's, He's had 10 million streams on, on Spotify, and he has made zero dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in, in a couple of weeks, we're gonna have Daddy Nat on the on this show. Nice. And, yeah, and I know he's had a lot of streams too. And I'm gonna ask him point blank. I'm like, hey, dude, you're like, you know, h- how much have you made on Spotify, and how much have you made? in value for value. Um, and you know, Ainsley Costello did a a really good job of documenting that as well. Like she made like 500 bucks on Spotify in like five years and then made 500 bucks in the first month on, you know, in the V for V world. So it's there, you know, I mean, the the opportunity is there. So, well, um, and I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, I think that the biggest, um, hurdle on, on Bitcoin and, and, uh, the Satoshi, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, when you own, you know, Bitcoin and you can translate that into Satoshi's, is this. Um, it, it's a third party, so you're not going to be using the App Store or anything like that. Um, but when you go in to Wave Lake and you basically, you, first of all, you can get onto Wave Lake and then it's W-A-V-L-A-K-E. You can just listen, you can sign up, create an account and listen and check it out. 
Then the next part is, okay, I really love this band. I want to show them some love. You got to pop in your payment uh, to buy some Bitcoin and, and you can uh, make your own amount, you know, just because Bitcoin's worth a million dollars per share or whatever it is. You get $20 of uh, well, 40,000 bucks right now for one. Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, it's, I, was off, uh, I was off by a little bit, well, a little bit, but um, you can get uh, 20, 30, 40 bucks and five bucks for this band, five bucks for this band, five bucks for this band, whatever it is. Also for these DJs and these podcast providers, uh, you know, show them some love because these guys aren't getting paid by Apple or nobody like that. This is all just, like I said, for the passion. And if it's all safe, it's all completely safe to, to get your payment information on there. They're not going to pull the money out of your account monthly or anything. And, and what I'm trying to say is if you could buy that silly app that you're going to use for three times and then not use it anymore and they're billing you monthly and you forget about it, that's how that that's how those those big companies make their money with uh, Weblake. They're not going to bill you monthly or anything like that. Don't be afraid. Uh, please do check it out. Try it out and, and you know, give us some love. Uh, nobody's asking you to commit all of your money or anything like that. It's just um, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And, and, and I, again, I say that just to say, to say it's, it's a little bit scary at first to, you know, oh, I don't want to put my credit card in here and do all that. It's really not that big of a deal because Apple has your credit card. They're billing you monthly already. This is way safer <laughs> and uh, better yeah. than that because every dollar you spend on the Value for Value podcast goes directly to us, not uh, Apple. They don't take a cut. And, you know, it, it's very much uh, trans right. transparent. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't understand the splits, like, um, you know, like I, I, I'm going to be splitting this show with uh the band right so like if you're um you, you know i you know you, you guys are going to get uh 80 of the sats coming in while you and i are talking right right uh, and then and and that's something that i put in on my end when i'm setting up the the podcast feed um but when your songs are playing um on this show like the you know we opened up with headache song we're gonna we're gonna close that with another one that we'll talk about here in just a couple minutes um but that jumps up to 90 percent right and when i put any song in my um like my music review or my music hour shows you know 90 percent is going to the artist and then the the, the remaining is going to me uh, you know, the host, or it's going to, um, uh, maybe it's going to the podcast index. Maybe it's going to the guy in Switzerland who does my bumper music. Maybe it's, you know, it, it, it just depends. But the bulk of it is, is that, you know, um, 90%, 80%, um, are, are going to the artists. And, and I think as we see over time, as more and more people, um, get into this, um, yet you might see that ratio drop a little bit, but hopefully we can come up with some standards um, to where, uh, you know, the artists are always going to be making at least 60, 70 percent of, of the, the streaming income um, or, you know, the, the sats that are coming in, you know, which is which is, in my opinion, extremely generous considering YouTube and Spotify and even Apple iTunes. People are paying money to Apple iTunes. I still haven't seen anything from them either, you know, so. Um, 60, 70, 80, 90. I mean, that's, that's all very generous. I mean, to me, it's, well, it's your it's, art, man. It's yeah. your art. You know? And I think we need artists, 
you know, I mean, I, I, my, my wife and I are working on something on the back end to really, to really secure this for artists around the world. Um, yep. and it's, it, it's, it's your guys's art, man. Like you, you guys should, should receive the lion's share of, uh, of the sats coming in. Right. And, and of course, you know, there's always, uh, in music business, there's always the business portion of it. And I say that's generous that you, you know, you've given us 90% and everything else. But again, I don't mind it. If anybody wants to argue, well, why don't you give them a hundred percent? Well, you're the one that's hosting the show. Everybody's discovering this because you're st- taking a time out, and yeah. uh, and then of course you, you're only playing stuff that you like too. So I mean, there's that appreciation as well. And so I, I'd say just all in all, it, it's a beautiful platform. And I mean, again, this is uh, <laughs> it's almost like me. Like you've seen that movie Star Wars. You got the rebellion, and and the Empire is. <laughs> you know the, the big big music industry and so we're all rebels we're yeah. the rebel alliance and um I, yeah absolutely hey so so you guys are definitely one of the ones in, in this v for v space that i love uh and we've talked about some other artists out there like who who are you listening to in in this whole wave leg value for value world like net who, who are some of the artists that you have discovered that you guys really like that you really dig well, there's there's several and then many many genres too. But uh, there's this band called Boys Town. Uh, I can't remember where they're. F- I think they're from out of Kansas of all places, uh, and they sort of have like an '80s sort of retro vibe to it, and it's just amazing. Uh, they're th- that's actually Cody's sons that are in in Boys Town, and uh, uh, there's there's a couple of other artists on the platform and i keep trying to uh and i need to push more for a lot of my uh friends and uh, fellow bands around here to to get on get on here as well but um you know there's there's so many it's, it's hard to name them all yeah i i get you i mean um nate jonathan is one of the ones that i dig um um and that and i'm gonna get him on the show i finally heard back from him um uh, hopefully we'll get him on like a, right around the end of February because I because these shows are starting to line up. You know one of the what one of the cool things I love about this whole value for value thing and Wave Lake and everything is like there are some bands out there that have broken up that are or no longer operating, right? Um, and it's like what the hell? We'll just put all you know somebody in the band still has the has the tunes and they're like yeah let's just put it up there, right? Like and there's a band out of Quebec. Um, called um abyss or abyss i don't know how the hell you pronounce it abyss a b a b b e s s e e i don't know if that's the you know that there's the term abby and then there's i think an abyss is for female um monks whatever the term is but that band damn i love that band like i i'm like that's one of those things where i'm like man i wish that band didn't break up like if they were touring i'd go see them right now right like for there's, sure. there's so much great shit out there for sure, and you know, I think that this pod, this po- this podcast platform appeals not just for active musicians, but anybody who's ever published anything ever. Because all, if your band yeah. broke up, or if you know COVID destroyed your band, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Because if you ever, if you ever were an artist and you have even just from demos or recordings, you could upload it to Wave Lake. It costs nothing. You just build your profile, your artist profile, and you upload it. And I didn't even have to do anything but uh, 
uh, Boostergram, Phantom, Smash My Record, all these, all these podcasts had picked up our music and every other week I'm, you know, signing on and finding getting tagged on these, uh, social media platforms. Hey, we boosted, um, you know, self-titled national anthem or pop song. And it's like, man, that's going to be a great day. For, it's, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say how much gratification, but again, if you have any any kind of music out there at all ever, I strongly recommend uploading it because you more than just the satoshis, you get your music in front of other people's ears, and it's just it's quite amazing Old that audience. absolutely. And there's no there's no um, uh, commitment or anything like that. You don't have to sign an agreement with a. a, a a, a manager or um you know a record contract or anything like that this is all independent dyi this is just um uh man it, it's it's quite amazing yeah all right so you l l let me uh ask a couple of quick questions here before we before we wrap this up here's one of my favorite questions that i love to ask other musicians all right what is your guilty pleasure in music and when i mean guilty pleasure i mean something that is like outside of your genre like at, when they think of fm rodeo they're going to be thinking of power trios you know punk power trios but i'm talking like is it spice girls is it george <laughs> jones is it dmx like what is your guilty pleasure outside of your genre it comes on you're like oh damn that's my jam is it uh, the Bee yeah what is it yeah all right so I'm trying to think uh, as far as I know that Marshall, our bass player, really loves it. He's actually a, uh, a lead guitar player for a band called Christian Shields. And I need to talk to Christian about uploading his music on Wavelength. But uh, our bass player plays guitar like Steve Vai. He's, he's quite amazing. Ooh. So he loves, 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 loves hair metal. Um, and, and Stevie Ray Vaughan as well. Uh, Troy, Troy's a big 90s guy. He loves uh, Oasis, Green Day, Nirvana, but uh, he's also, he, he loves a lot of independent artists. He always brings his stuff to the table that I don't know. And it's typically uh, rock-induced. It's like uh, Libertines out of uh, England and uh, Arctic Monkeys, right as they were getting so big before they were as popular as they were, uh, Block Party and stuff like that. And uh, for me, uh, I really do like a lot of different, type of music i'm a sucker for a lot of pop music um and country music so one of my favorite songs is uh, would you go with me by josh turner and because he's got such an incredible voice and that, that song is got a great tempo would you go with me and it just it just hits uh and it's a little you know it's a pop country song not like a snap clap stuff that you know uh, i'm not gonna rail on too hard even though i could what? but uh, come on let's let, let, let's bash bro country bring it come on okay all right uh let's <laughs> see <laughs> sitting on dirt road you know just uh, no no come on come, yeah, no come up with come up with something substantial come up with something uh uh unique and original instead of just uh synthesizers snaps and claps and singing about your jacked up truck and uh you know buckle bunnies yeah, yeah. exactly it's just it's, a listener it's, who doesn't know what a buckle bunny is a buckle bunny is like a really good looking well-endowed young woman who is wearing very 
small and tight and short jeans and she's got a huge belt buckle on there it is the worst trope yeah. that you can imagine with respect to women and these bro country it's it's pretty cold just pr- bring it out there yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's it's pretty it's pretty cringy um oh. But uh, and that's one of the reasons why, like, one of my guilty pleasures is Maddie and Tay in country. Like, I love Maddie and Tay, and their first single just out of the gate was just a big middle finger to all of those bro country posers who, yes, who just do nothing but just degrade women and all that stuff. And I I love Maddie and Tay, I've, I've seen them in concert a couple of times. Um, Love yeah. the writing, love the persona. I love, love them. I, lo- I, lo- I love them. I love any of these artists that are making country music great again. <laughs> it, it is yeah. nice let to me, see. Well, let me share a theory with you, and, and you tell me if you agree or if I'm just a cranky old bastard. Um, I, when, I, when, I listen, <laughs> when I listen to bro country today, I think what, what these guys are doing what they're doing to um, hip hop and um, R&B is the exact same thing that like Pat Boone uh, did and a lot of the white artists did, to, even Elvis uh, did to African-Americans and uh, early blues and early rock and roll. Like, I think they're just, they are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, um, whitewashing is kind of one, one yeah. term. It's, it's a little bit more on the racial side, but uh, but watering down, uh, I guess you could say, because you have these amazing formulas uh, that people pave the roads, and it's okay to have influences, right? Uh, there's always every time you hear a new song, there's always going to be it's always going to be backed by influences. Now, what makes it unique and interesting is. If you could pick out a couple of different uh, influences off of, okay, well, I used to like, uh, or I do like um, uh, Devo or, you know, um, let's see, Elton John or, you know, just any of these types of influences. And then you create your own art and it's unique and original versus just rehashing something and you just add high production value, uh, value, quote unquote, high production to it. You know, okay, we got 808s. Well, great. Yeah, it hits, you know, it hits in the truck whenever you have your subs on. But is it good? Is it unique yeah. or original? Or is it even really interesting? And so, yeah, I, I say it's watered down. And I, I don't think that you're being an old cranky bastard by having an opinion on, uh, I mean, honestly, this is, this is, you're a musician for one. Uh, you're a music critic as well. I mean, not a harsh one, in that, I don't believe. But, I mean, you just call it as you see it. And if it's garbage, it's garbage. Um, and yeah, I try not, like, if, I mean, obviously, I don't feature songs I, I don't like. I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I, I will never put up a podcast of like, hey, everybody, this song really sucks. And here's the 10 reasons why. Like, I'm, I'm just, you know, we got enough, we got enough negative energy in the world. I don't need to add to it. Um, oh, but, you know, but, but the, I, the cultural appropriation, that's what I was looking for. That's oh, like yeah. when I listen to Morgan Wallen um, or Luke Bryan or, you know, and I know that like, obviously the songs are, are, are uh, 
relating to a lot of people because because the lyrics are strong and their lyrics are always going to be the strongest thing in country. But I, I just cannot get past the fact that, okay, at the end of the day, I'm listening to an R&B or a hip hop beat, a hip hop track that has been watered down uh, with white country um thought processes and images and a lot of those are misogynistic and just absolutely awful you know um right well and and i guess you could say that one of the problems i have as a cranky old bastard uh, or aging bastard uh, coming up <laughs> um so whenever you have a manufactured band or manufactured music you typically get a um a, a guy who can sit and has got a good voice and then you have songwriter songwriting teams they come up with something and then they what they typically do is rehash an old chord progression which is okay because every chord progression under the sun uh with the exception of maybe jazz music has been written or, or you know and there's a formula that works right yeah. but the problem i have is yeah. that whenever morgan wallen or luke bryan or any of these uh, florida georgia i don't think they're uh, active anymore thank god but whenever they they manufacture music and then the songwriters come in there's nothing from your heart there's nothing from uh authenticity there's nothing really of value or what uh substance there it's really just to cater to the masses and i'm not necessarily a purist on uh i do have guilty pleasures i do love my share of pop music but it's usually whenever a vocalist uh, tells you a story and they sing their heart out and there's passion involved and it, it tickles your feels. And I get it. A lot of the people who are just fair weather music friend, uh, fans, they'll, they'll, they'll get tickled by some of this uh, manufactured music. But as an avid, well, as a musician, as, as an avid music critic myself, um, I could just, if it's manufactured, it better be good. There better be something there that really grabs you and stands out and, and it feels good or it, it just it triggers some sort of emotion, whether it be I want to work out, I want to go running or I'm I'm inspired or, uh, you know, it makes my heart melt or like I want to cry. It better have something like that, because if it's just basic and they just wanted to make some uh, make some money off of uh, the same old uh, stuff that's been around. But it just sounds better because it has the 808s and the mix is good. Then you know I'm gonna call bullshit because you know there's there's plenty of that and yeah. there's authenticity, uh, authenticity in there involved. And so you know I just I just want something from the heart. And there's also a lot of that out there. You just gotta go stream through it, find it. There's a yeah. lot of really good bands out there that aren't uh, uh you know on the top 10 on the radio or yeah. or uh you know all, all of that and mm. i mean just really really good music out there you just got to dig around and find it yeah there's a place for manufactured music in, in the world mm. i'm not i'm saying that there isn't um but i think that uh artists or excuse me the audience will always respond to authenticity and to some edges and to, and to things that are quote unquote, not perfect. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, uh, you, Johnny, you know what I'm talking about because you can go into the studio and you can make everything perfect with pro tools now. Um, but um, I, I think people respond when they can feel that gut level energy coming out of the song. It doesn't matter what genre it is. And, and, uh, you know, just for, for the sake of this conversation, I think, I think they definitely hear that with, um, you're, you know, with national anthem and with headache song, the song we opened up the show with, and and with the song we're going to close with, which is 
pop song. So t- tell us a little bit about uh, that song, pop song, wh- where it comes from and where you guys tracked it. Okay, so um, me and Troy the, had met back in the year 2000. This, we were in high school, and um, he taught me how to play instruments, and he started writing songs back then, and his songwriting craft has just gotten better and better throughout time. And Troy's catalog spans probably close to 60 to 70 songs uh, throughout time. Now, not all those songs are as complex as as they, as some of more of the modern ones. And so Pop Song came out about, well, he wrote that song in 2006, I believe, or 2000, no, it was actually 2004. So it's an almost 20 year old, 20 year old song. Now, in 2004, wow, yeah, and so Troy, I, and I'll quote him because he said this on the radio the other day, um, Pop Song had a lot of Green Day influences, so he's kind of writing songs ba- um, sort of based on those types of formulas, uh, those types of melodies, and those so- sort of tones, and I remember when, okay, Troy was involved in another project, and he was doing, man, he was just cranking out all these songs, and I heard a demo, and he had a, a drummer named Manuel Garcia, and props to Manuel. He had a lot of really good ideas for some of these beats. And I heard that demo, and first thing that jumped out to me was the guitars. The guitar um, has this really cool lick in the intro and throughout the song, and it, it reoccurs. And it's a moving guitar line. And it's very energetic, and it's a pop song is essentially a love song, but it's got this great pop punk energy about it. And it, like I said, it's got a lot of moving parts. The tempo just smashes. And another really interesting thing about that song and the arrangement is there's this weird, tricky rhythm. And I spent, and this was a while back, but I spent a lot of time breaking this rhythm down. And so it's not just yeah, offbeat triplets. One, two, three. Yes, offbeat triplets. Almost like a calypso okay. calypso yeah. beat. Sweet. And right. um and it's really tricky. If I'm not really sometimes paying attention whenever we're playing it live, uh I have to kind of like bounce bounce right back into it if uh kind it slides of- out. Yeah, that it's part like, kind of reminds me of West Side Story, you know, of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. and, and, and I'm, I'm certainly proud of it because of the complexities of it. And and this is just something that Troy manifested after on his guitar. And one thing that's interesting about FM Rodeo that a lot of people probably don't know, because we try to tighten it up as a trio, but... They always say that John Bonham would follow Jimmy Page when in his drumming in Led Zeppelin's music. Uh, me and Troy will get together, and Troy will just kind of have. He has his own guitar style. It reminds me a lot of um, Jimi Hendrix when he does a lot of pig scratching, and he's kind of carrying this rhythm, but he'll have yeah. like just you know these notes kind of just jumping out everywhere. And so I lock in on that guitar, and since me and Troy have been playing for over 20, 23, 24 years. Uh, we lock in, and then the bass player usually jumps in with me, and then over time, we we uh, we groove together as the band. I you know split the difference, so to speak, with the bass player. If um, you know you got it, that snare drum can hit slightly above time or slightly behind time, 
and it creates a whole completely different type of groove. Now, yeah. granted, a lot of our songs are very straight driven, uh, punk rock style, uh, very, very driven. Uh, you know, all that, those small nuances make a huge difference on the groove. And mm -hmm. uh, now, as far as the lyrics go on pop song, they're Troy's lyrics, I say, they're very mysterious, very unique because he's not saying, oh, this is a girl named Jill and uh, we went to high school together in 2006. He's not very specific and that's on purpose. It's- uh, hands in the lunchroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever, whenever he writes his songs, it's a little bit Cobain-esque in regards to, there's a little bit of mystery. It's up to interpretation. It's up to you. Is this a love song about the girl or is this a love song about two guys? Is this a song about, you know, it's sort of, it's Is open. it a love song about his Les Paul? What yeah. Are, yeah. What do we know? What she do we walks, know? She walks on ice again. That means, uh, you know, the Les Paul is out there on, uh, on the ice walking a thin line, you know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so this, uh, the lyrics that he writes, they're, um, you know, they have a little bit of mystery involved to them. I, I, to me, that adds a little bit of uh, value to it because more people can relate. And, you know, it's sort of just, he's, and I agree with him, it's sort of boring to know the exact story. Um, you know, sometimes it's not, sometimes there's a place for that, but this, on Pop Song especially, you got that. On Headache Song, uh, I know we're talking about Pop Song, but, Headache song, we just dropped it a couple of days ago, and I'm really proud of that. By the way, there's a lyric video dropping on Thursday. Uh, this coming This coming week okay. uh, for a headache song. And there's also uh, a lyric video for pop song on our, on our YouTube channel. Just search um, FM Rodeo. Now, keep an eye out. There's an FM Rodeo in Wisconsin. They're a really good country cover band, but oh. they, don't, they don't write and release amazing rock and roll songs like FM Rodeo right. Texas right. and uh, uh, headache song very very similar it's uh it's more of a heartbreak song about uh you know some lovers and you know he gets the headache and uh, the world is unreal uh everything's colliding and very chaos but it's such like a a beat uh you know just a very uh positive uh tone uh headache song has got a I don't know. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a pop song, but it's about, you know, not really necessarily destruction, but you know, heartbreak and chaos and turmoil. Yeah. Well, I I agree with uh, with you and Troy with respect to you know keeping those lyrics a little bit ambiguous because you don't want, uh, you know, in a lot of cases you just don't want to give the whole story away. Like for me, like I w w when I hear a song and I really love it, I'm always going to take that song and, and put a timestamp on it for lack of a better term in terms of when it came into my life. And, it, and, and if I hear the full story of the lyrics and why the artist wrote it that way, it's going to change that. And it's going to change the value of the song for me. So I, I typically don't want to know, um, you know, right. uh, yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Uh, just another great analogy on that is if, uh, you know, they always say the book is better than the movie. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's kind of like if you read a book and you have it all in your mind about not the setting, the place, the characters, how they look and how they feel in your mind, especially if you're enamored in the book, you know, and then they come up with a movie 
And of course, it could be uh, adapted to a great screenplay and very entertaining, but they're going to change it, especially this day and age. They're going to change it to fit the modern uh, you know, ideology or agenda or whatever. But um, the, the movie could be hit or miss, but it could also be damaging to the story as the book you know and oh yeah i'm not saying don't watch movies or anything like that but it's sort of a somebody else's interpretation you know look at stanley kubrick and stephen king there's a there's yeah. a little bit of controversy there on on stephen king on how he felt about uh the picture but yeah. uh you know just an analogy yeah well listen thank you so much for joining us i know you guys have a big gig coming up this Friday, February 2nd, you're playing where? At, at Fitzgerald's in San Antonio? Is that where you're playing? We are. As a matter of fact, if um, – all right, so Friday is going to be a busy day for us. Friday, uh, blah, Friday, February 2nd, we are actually doing a radio performance at 94.3 The Rev FM in Kerrville with Cody uh, that, that afternoon. And then that night we're playing our uh, we're having our single release party in San Antonio for uh, a headache song, and so it's going to be a, a long, very productive, hopefully, day. Uh, Fitzgerald's the uh, doors are at eight. If you find yourself in San Antonio or if you feel like traveling, and by the way, nice. if you do travel to San Antonio, hit us up on well, yeah, man, Insta- hit us up on Instagram. I'll buy your tickets. Well, and, I uh, won't be able to make it down, but the same goes uh, for you guys. If you guys are ever up in Nashville, man, you got to let me know. Absolutely. And we have a great bill. We have Fox Motel, we have Above My Enemy, and we have Langton Drive. These are all amazing local artists out of San Antonio. And believe me, they will have music on Wave Lake and on the Value for Value podcast up very soon. Right on. Well, yeah, I, I'm happy to talk to them. You can send them my way. I can certainly answer any questions that they have to get them in this space. Because, like I've said a million times, like I'm more, I'm so excited for independent musicians now because of this. So, Johnny, thank you very much for joining us today on the Phantom Power Artist Hour. It is Sunday, the 28th, and if I, and I'm going to bust my ass to get this thing out tonight. Like, give me like six hours, and I'll have it out. And we are going to wrap up the show with Pop Song by FM Rodeo. Cool, well, thank you. Thank you again for having me. And, yeah, brother. and you know, as me representing FM Rodeo is our team. It, and um, it's an honor. And thank you so much for all you do. No, well, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Hang on you just bet. a second. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up offline. Okay.
Shout out to the drummer, man. Dude held it down for uh, well over an hour talking about the band. Um, what a great guy. Johnny, thank you so much for coming on and give our regards to your bandmates as well. Johnny is really, you know, he and Troy have been banging away at this thing for a dozen years, 15 years, right? Uh, a great example of what an indie band is and what an indie band has to do to succeed in today's world. And of course, we love the fact that they are all in on value for value. Thank you guys very much for listening. If you guys know any musicians out there, independent musicians out there, and they've got questions about value for value, send them my way, man. You can find me on uh, Noster, on Telegram, Instagram, Twitter. I am more than happy to talk to any independent musician about getting them into this space. Um, tomorrow, Monday, is Phantom Power Business Hour. We're going to have Chris Boubet on. He is an author of two books. We did that interview earlier this morning, and it's a, it's a good one. Chris is a really smart guy. Uh, Wednesday is Phantom Power Music, uh, Music Hour. Excuse me. And then Friday, once again, Phantom Power Music Review, which Johnny was talking about, where I kind of break down a couple of songs that I dig and, and talk to you guys about production and uh, composition and song structure and theory, things like that. So thank you guys very much for listening. If you like this podcast, uh, please send us some sats. It would go a long way. And as always, smile for the mugshot. See ya. <laughs>